Thanks for coming to hang out with us today. Rug Up Buttercup is a podcast hosted by Deployed Love. We chat about real things that military families deal with and help you to love the call to action. So you know the drill. Rug Up Buttercup. Welcome back, everybody, to Rug Up Buttercup. We are excited to have you back. I know that there was a lot of people that enjoyed last month's, or uh, well, I guess it was this month's last episode of the podcast where we talked about some things that weren't really talked about a lot. And one of those things that we kind of started to talk on, but knew that we needed to bring some extra people on who knew a little bit more about it was the housing market and how that is really, really affecting um, active duty families as well as veteran families. So we have some amazing people on here with me and Ashley today. Yeah. So we have three guests today. I think this is our, our episode that we've had the most guests on for this season. So we're really excited. We have two agents and a lender. So we have Sarah, who is a military spouse at Fort Benning. And we have um, Erin, who is a retired Marine Corps spouse. And she's in the San Diego area, but she is licensed in California and South Carolina. And then we have Beth, our lender with First United Mortgage, and she specializes in the VA loans. So we are really excited to have you guys on today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Great to be here. Yeah. So we will put all their information in so that way you guys can see that, of course, in our show notes. But today we wanted to discuss, um, you know, we kind of touched a little point on that in that last episode about like what military families are going through. You know, there's kind of like a two part of that, you know, like we have military families, you know, the housing issue on post installations where there's a lot of issues with that. There's a lot of um, standards that are not being met and people are tending to go off post and find housing because of that. But we also are in the middle of a huge market explosion for housing and um, finding affordable housing and things like that. So do you guys, can you guys give us a little bit of a rundown of like what that is actually happening um, and where the flux came from like so so drastically over the last couple of years. I personally, what I was seeing is it's a little bit of a supply and demand issue. So when we don't have enough homes listed, then that's driving up some of the prices, which is where we're seeing this increase. And I think part of that and Beth can maybe play on that a little bit more is because we've had such great interest rates that we've had a lot of families that want to purchase because it's a great time. You've got a good interest rate. And then when you have more buyers and not enough people listing their homes, then it's driving up those prices because now you've got sellers that are saying, oh, well, I've got a ton of buyers that are bidding for my house. Now I can set the price and let them just keep driving it up. And Mm -hmm. because we don't have the inventory, buyers are doing that. They're having to outbid and even take away some contingencies that they wouldn't typically take away, such as inspections or doing appraisal gaps. And so it's costing them more, even besides the actual listing price. Yeah. So October, 2020 was when we started seeing the shift and that's when it kind of exploded. And that coincided with interest rates being in the twos and a lower supply. People were not listing their homes. The pandemic had hit. So we had this trifecta. We had this perfect storm in late 2020 that caused this just extreme demand for homes. And another thing that we're seeing is construction materials. Um, It's just really hard to get garage doors, matching appliances, like things like the supply 
you know, the supply chain. I mean, it's affecting things too. It's so yeah. You've got these three things. So October 2020 was really when it turned to a seller's market that we saw in all states that we do. But we're hoping, you know, and we're starting to see a little bit of relief and we can, you know, talk about that as we go on. But yeah, it was a trifecta. It was a perfect storm. I would like to just add on to what Beth said um, insofar as I'm living and working in the San Diego market, also working in the South Carolina market at the same time. So I have um, a unique perspective because um, it's two very different markets. They're very different um, markets. Very yeah. They different. are, but in um, comparing in preparation for this podcast, I compared numbers for April 2022, and I found some interesting information. You know, going on what Beth said in San Diego, it's a uniquely competitive market. A lot of military folks want to be out here because the lifestyle is great. But in my experience, most of the military people that move out here can't afford to buy. And so what started happening around 2020 was the people that I worked with who wanted to purchase in California were getting outbid like never before. So Mm -hmm. the people who were using their VA benefit and didn't have a down payment were easily cast aside by sellers because they were not able to remove that appraisal contingency, that all important appraisal contingency, right? And so it's been a wild ride for my military buyers. And I've had to work very, very hard to help them acquire homes in the last couple of years. Yeah. And we, like Ashley had mentioned, I did purchase a home. (laughs) And if anybody knows anything about the North Carolina, we moved to the other side of Fort Bragg, which is in the Pines area. So it's not the easiest neighborhood to get a house in. So we were trying to use VA. Fortunately, my husband's not active duty anymore. He's a veteran. So he has a better paying job. So we were able to have a down payment, but there was like no way without having that as an offer where we were offering 20. I think we may have ended up offering 30 over, which Mm -hmm. was not what we wanted to do. We had just sold our house and that was like our cash from selling our house, which was supposed Mm. to be, you know, we were so excited about overselling our house from what we had bought it at. And then all of our money was going right back into this house, which obviously we moved to where we wanted to move. So we're happier in that, that extent, but our, we had no savings. We, everything, it was a wash for you. Yeah. Our appraisal did come back um, lower and the guy was willing to make a, a pretty dang good offer on letting us come way down. But People can't do that when you're active duty. Mm-hmm. You're moving here yeah. with no time frame. Like I have to be at this new duty station and we need a house immediately. It's that's yeah. not how that's working out. Yeah, agreed. Well, hopefully in, in most cases, when people receive orders and know they want to purchase, they'll start the process sooner. And I talk about this a lot with my sphere of influence and the people that follow me on social media. If you know you want to, buy a home, you need to start preparing for it like six months in advance. And I say six all, months too. Yeah. All of us who know that, you know, orders are coming down the pike. Um, maybe you're staying at the same duty station, but more than likely you're going to be PCSing, you know, start to prepare about six months before those orders mm-hmm. come in because you need to clean up credit if necessary. You need to start saving for a down payment. The down payment is is key. And that's what I've been telling all of my buyers for two years now. You have to set yourself uh, apart from other buyers if you want to stand out in this competitive market. And you can only do that if you're able to remove that appraisal contingency, which can only be done with a down payment. Totally agree. And we can make it happen in a shorter amount of time. 
So of course. Ideal. I'm like, we have some that, yeah, totally come in and crunch and like, I've got to get something. But absolutely, ideally, if you can start six months, I agree, Erin would be a great. The process of buying a house can be done in a weekend. I just did it this past <laughs> weekend. I, had, I literally had a Marine Corps um, couple come out from um, North Carolina. They took a red eye Friday night. We blitzed and looked at 20 houses this weekend. And then they took another red eye on Sunday night back. So we, we found houses. So finding the house is not the problem. We will, especially now that inventory yeah. is starting to increase, it is not yet a buyer's market. I had a client ask me yesterday, are we in a buyer's market? I, not yet. Because not yet. The inventory <laughs> isn't there, but we're getting there. We'll get there. Um, so with the inventory increasing, that is a good thing for military buyers because you're going to find a house that, you know, that's not the problem. The problem is getting the finances in order, making sure mm-hmm. you've got a down payment and also not thinking about your purchase as um, sticker price, right? Mm-hmm. Most people don't own their home for the 30 years that they yeah. borrow a mortgage for. Think about your house purchase as a monthly payment, right? And so you want to get with your lender, figure out you know, what you're comfortable with on a monthly basis. Maybe it's BAH, maybe it's 500 bucks over BAH, mm-hmm. whatever that number is, figure that out first and then work backwards from there. What would you guys suggest be a comfortable, um, down payment? Like what, what should those, um, families be like, okay, like this is what we should have minimum to kind of make ourselves look over that hump of like, we at least have this down payment type of thing. I think, um, at least 5%, of course, with the VA, you don't have to have anything to put down, which is such an incredible benefit. But when you're competing with other people who are putting a lot more down than that, you want to be able to put something down. So I would say at least 5%. I think Beth, this is probably a great, better question for you, but I've seen in California, I've seen homes go for up to 30% over asking. Yeah. I was going to suggest 3% in our area that gives you 2% for closing costs. And then a little bit over a little bit of cushion um, for appraisal gap, but those appraisal gaps are, are getting far fewer, fewer. I'm seeing a lot less appraisal gaps and I'm seeing more homes. We've got 33 homes under 300,000, 300,000 is really good here. Aaron, <laughs> in California. So. I know, I know I'm in South Carolina too. <laughs> so we had 33, we've, we're, we've been averaging eight, seven, five. So, you know, it's going to get better. It's going to take a little bit of time. We're probably going to still be recovering next year, but I would suggest in this area in the States, we saw service, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, I would suggest three for those buyers. So anywhere three to 5% little extra may put you over the edge, but yeah. um, it is, it is really refreshing to hear that it's starting to go back down. Oh, um, nice. I know for myself, like we've, we want to purchase a home, but you know, we only have five more years until my husband hit retires. So we're like, do we really want to do that? Like, are we, do we want to do that? We're not going to stay in this area. We don't know if we're going to go to another duty station. Um, so we've kind of just kind of keep renting, but like even the rental market has drastically gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. You know, I was talking to a friend the other day. I was just like a house that I rented for $850 six years ago was going for 1450 and it's not even that nice of a place. So, um, I definitely think that one of the struggles that the military families have is that BAH isn't always covering the cost for where they're stationed at. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And a lot of families are like, this is what we have and we can't find anything to like fit in that budget. So um, it's nice to hear that it's kind of going back down. I don't, I mean, obviously the rent prices are not going to go back down. It's going to stay, but hopefully that will cause an influx in that BAH when they reevaluate that at that level. But it is, it is nice to hear that it's going down because the thought of buying a house like this past year, like, I don't know how Sabrina did it. Like, <laughs> well, I don't. Actually, I think an important thing too, with the military families that I work with, that I don't think they all always keep in mind is they do have a really good opportunity to actually become investors. So as you're moving to different markets, even if you're not going to stay there forever, it's not your forever home, you have such a great opportunity to be purchasing your investment properties. And then when you leave, you have a rental. And I know it's not for everyone, but that's why they make property managers. And it's seriously worth it to have a property manager. And then you are getting equity, even if you don't have a whole lot of monthly income. But right now you would, because the rental prices, like you said, are up, they're up 11 to 15% in the last year. Mm-hmm. So it is crazy. And so you're getting a little bit of monthly, but you're also just building that equity to where you can refinance the home, pull that money out and reinvest it in more properties. Mm -hmm. So I think something to keep in mind, even with our prices being high, you also have a chance for, there's so much equity that's been climbing in the properties that I know I own. So that is also something to look at when we're looking at high prices. It's also important to keep in mind the equity that's building. Yeah. We're currently thinking of purchasing a house where we will end up after five years, even though we won't necessarily be in it all the time with the goal of renting it out and things like that and continue renting at whatever duty station we're at. Just Can I just add one point? I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt you. No, I'm go sorry. for it. I, I think that is the best way for military members to build wealth through real estate ownership, right? Because we all know um, no one's getting rich in the military just by being in the military, right? So this is this is one way using your incredible VA benefit that you can that you can um, build wealth. But um, if you are planning to buy a property and then use it as an investment, just keep in mind that there is something called capital gains taxes. And for the military, um, the, the requirements for avoiding capital gains taxes, if you decide to sell your home down the road, is you have to live in it for two of the last 10 years. Now, um, for civilians, it's two of the last five years. So it's actually quite an incredible benefit. It, it should be a reason why you definitely do consider buying something with your VA, which by the way, when you use your VA, it's got to be a primary res, right? You have to live in it. Um, to be able to use it. But if you move out of it because of PCS orders, that's not against the rules. You can still hold on to that house. Just know that two, you have to live in it for two of the last 10 years before you sell so that you can avoid capital gains taxes. And there's no limit to how many houses you can have on your VA entitlement. If you go over the the county loan limit, you'll have just a, a small down payment on the overage, but they don't, a lot of people come and they'll say, well, I've heard you can only have two but no, I'm, you know, you can have, there's no limit. That's interesting. And that's, I that's definitely interesting. thought that was only about $600,000 or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. 647, 200. So if you go of the, the total of all your homes together, if you go over that County loan limit, you'll have to make a down payment oh on God. the new place. Interesting. So I have kind of like a question, like to go along with the, I mean, the houses as an investment property. I know my parents, I grew up military. My parents did that. We had a house here at Bragg. 
we had a house in Indiana that we rented out for years. I'm not very familiar because I haven't gone through the process, but is there a way to like include kind of a um, remodeling loan in that? Or would that be something separate? Separate. The VA will only let you, they'll just, just for the purchase price. I always tell my buyers with the VA, don't even look at short sales foreclosures if Mm -hmm. you're using your VA because the appraisal process is so strict. They want you to move into that house and start living in it. They don't want you to move into it and start renovating it, right? The whole point of the VA loan is to bridge the gap for military members and home ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want you to be an investor and buy up a bunch of houses. That, that wasn't the intention of the VA loan originally. So um, think of uh, a home that you're going to purchase your VA loan with as being turnkey. That's what they want. Mm-hmm. But could you use a VA loan if you were willing to do a separate loan? So like, say you bought a house that isn't through a real letter. So like, for instance, like the house that we're looking at purchasing, we know that it needs a new roof and a well put in. He hasn't put it on the market because he can't afford to do those on his own. So we know that we're, we're going to take that on, but we're also like buying it kind of like outright with from him type of thing. So it might be, I would, I would advise you against that simply because a realtor is going to walk you through the steps of liability. Cause it sounds to me like the house might be great, but it's got some issues, which most existing homes do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You want to make sure you get all the right inspections done before you buy that property. And if there are issues that the seller knows um, are existing He has a legal obligation to disclose those to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you don't have realtors on either side, you know, you're, you're sort of stoking the fire a little bit and maybe um, getting burned down the road. Oh yeah. No, I mean like there definitely would have all the, all the things in there, but like, would that like in terms of like, if you had an agreement, you had it ran out, you knew it was wrong. You had the inspections, things like that. Would a VA cover a type of project like that? Or is it really just more turnkey? It needs a well. Yeah. yeah. If it's not livable, um, as is you, you won't be able to Got it. see, I didn't VA. know that. Like, yeah. that's an interesting fact, because if you don't know that, then you don't know what you're going into. Like I've always remodeled houses with my mom. My mom's remodeled four houses and I've never been a part of that process of where learning how to the loaning side of it. So it's really now- interesting. This is where you want to start your process soon. Like you should probably talk to a lender ASAP if this is something that's probably within the next six months going to happen. But you might be, you know, an FHA loan might be a better option for you or a conventional loan might be a better option for you because unlike days of old, you don't have to put 20% down for a conventional loan anymore. And again, this is Beth's expertise. So I'm sure she can speak to it. But, you know, the, the amount of a down payment is not what it used to be for the FHA loan and the, and the conventional loan. Yeah. Conventional, you can get, you can do 3% down on conventional if your credit score is 720 plus. If it's under 720, it's going to be 5% minimum. But a property with a new roof, I would, you know, I would definitely um, say conventional would be your best bet. VA is going to, they're going to come back and say no approval till that roof is, you know, repaired. Well, and Beth, what about, is it, would it be wise to combine an FHA and FHA 203K? Absolutely. Especially when you, when you need that many repairs. Yeah. And that's about a three and a half percent down. And Ashley, so a 203K is I think kind of what you were asking about earlier with getting a loan to do repairs. And that's a, 
a repair loan. So that loan is kind of tacked on separate, but it is just for repairs, but it won't be combined with a VA. Yeah, no, I think I figured yeah. it wouldn't be, but I was like, might as well ask because like a lot of people don't know these types of questions and they right. usually have them as well. So it's one of those things where like, I know like we're already thinking of retirement and like what we're going to do. And we know that the market in the mountains of North Carolina is just as bad. I mean, a two bedroom condo is going for like $450,000 and it, and they, it needs remodeling. And it's not even like in our minds, like knowing like other places, like it's not worth that to us. So this happened, we're not going to be up there for five years. And we came across this house from a friend who friends own it. And, and that was just like, Oh, we can talk about it, but like, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen, but um, I know there's a lot of people who are in the same boat that are thinking of their retirement and like, you know, oh, it's an opportunity. Like we could find a house that we can fix up. I wasn't aware that I couldn't use a VA loan for a house that we knew had big ticket items that needed to be replaced. Minor repairs are okay. Yeah. They're going to look for chip paint, you know, uh, exposed wiring handrails are huge. They're big on safety. So if it's mm-hmm. got minor repairs, you could go VA. Um, you just, you would run into the primary residence. You know, you, you have to use it as a primary residence at least for 12 months before mm-hmm. you can rent it out. So we kind of talked about the VA loans, but you guys said preparing like six months ahead of time. What do they do in order? Like, what is the process of the VA? I know that we've kind of jumped in and it was really quick for us. So it would be nice to have had known like the steps of where we needed to start out if someone wants to talk on that. Yeah, like the minimum like credit score and things like that as well. Like what, what should people, military families have to come get qualified for a VA loan? Um, I, I do want to say one thing on this before Beth probably should answer that question. There is a wide misconception that the VA loan is only available through Navy Federal and USAA. And I, <laughs> I get that people want to keep it all in one place and bank and insurance mm-hmm. and mortgage and all that. But I um, would implore your listeners to shop around. So I use the analogy of a box of cereal, right? The VA is like a box of cereal that you could buy at Walmart or you could buy at Whole Foods, mm-hmm. right? And the whole, the experience is going to be different. The price is going to be different, but what you get is the same thing. So know that when you are looking for a lender for your VA loan, shop it around. Um, and I know that doesn't answer your, your, your question, um, Ashley, but I just wanted to say that because I feel like so many people think, oh, well, no, that I is can- important because like a lot of people do only think that you could go through like a military credit union or a military lender. Like I would say first United mortgage is always one of the ones that comes to my head of looking at, but I've always kind of associated that with a military VA loan. So yeah, no, I think it's important to say that because when I first looked, I didn't realize that either. Well, and there are hidden fees. You know, as the as the purchaser of a property, you should feel empowered um, to ask questions. Never ever be afraid. Like I I, I hear so often from first time home buyers. Well, I didn't want to sound dumb, or I didn't I didn't want to ask questions that I I was supposed to know. Well, here's the truth: when you do something for the first time, you don't know anything. And so instead of just going into it blindly, you should feel empowered to ask as many questions as possible. What are your hidden costs? Do you offer credits at closing? What are my closing costs going to be? Break it down. 
ever since the subprime mortgage crisis in 2008, um, there have been what are called truth in lending laws um, enacted. So uh, you actually, as the consumer, can ask for what's called a loan estimate for a home that you're interested in purchasing so that you know exactly what your fees are going to be at closing. You know what your payment's going to be. You know everything in advance. And you should, because you shouldn't go into the largest purchase of your life blindly. You should Mm -hmm. know all of these answers. So I'm so glad that we're doing this today because I want to help empower military buyers. This is an incredible opportunity for them and they should take it. Can I touch on the credit score requirements? (laughs) The VA doesn't have a a credit score requirement. We can go down to 580 and most, you know, some lenders are, the lender sets that requirement. So I encourage, you know, everybody I talk to and everybody I take out, you know, get three good estimates, three different lenders, have them write, you know, get your, your loan estimate so you can see all the fees. And because there are a lot of, a lot of banks out there that will charge you origination fees, just hidden fees that just don't need to be charged. So yeah, definitely at least get three quotes. Obviously, the higher your credit score, the better your interest rate is going to be. So I always encourage people to at least try to get over 620. That's kind of the sweet spot for interest rates. 580 to 619 is is a little um, about half a point higher. So I always try to get people, if, you, if you're working on your credit score, at least try to get over 620 for that prime rate. And another thing, if we're talking about shopping with lenders, Another important thing is make sure they're collecting all your documents up front for that approval, because otherwise there could be issues when you go under contract and then they're getting documents from you. And then all of a sudden now it's a different ballgame and you're not qualified for what they originally said. So you want to make sure that the lender that you're working with does get all the documents up front before they give you that pre-approval, because then you're going to be in a little bit more of a solid run through that contract. So should you get your pre-approval before you start looking at houses or once you kind of have an idea of where? Before. Before. Okay. So we have pre-approval. How long does the pre-approval yeah. last for? There's no expiration, but the credit report's good for 90 days. So as long as you st- keep your same job and you, you know keep your credit, you know, don't go out after you get pre-approved, please don't go out and buy a car or, you know. <laughs> Or, or furniture for your new house. Don't yeah. do that. Carly. Don't buy anything. Yeah. No expiration. And um, don't co-sign for anyone either. Yes. Don't. Yeah. Just keep everything stable. So yeah, no expiration. And something that you want to make sure with your lender um, that they, of course, like Sarah touched on the docs and her and I've worked together a lot on, and she knows that, you know, just being very thorough and something that we're doing in this market, is kind of pre-underwriting the file. So once we get the contract, we just have to wait on the title and the appraisal. That's huge. That's going to, that's going to help, you know, help you win some homes. If you've got a lender that says on your pre-approval letter, underwriting approved. I so mean, you that's, say that it doesn't expire, but with that 90 days, um, you do have to go back and get another like credit score test. We'd have to repull credit. Yes. After 90 days. But as long as you haven't purchased anything, that shouldn't make any difference. Right. Right. Correct. And keep your job, same job, same employment. <laughs> yeah. Don't try to buy a house when you lose a job. <laughs> Not the best time. Um, so we got a pre-approval. We are ready to go on that front. What's the next? Where should we go from there? Your agent, the girls. Agent. Then your recommendations on how to do that. Cause I know when we did that, we did not end up as an awful agent, honestly. And mm-hmm. because we went out and we were like, oh, she's a military spouse. We wanted to support you know, but it just ended up not being what we wanted throughout the entire process. So I think that that's a huge thing you need to touch on. And I, we wish we knew more about it. We didn't know how 
and or if we could get out of the contract we're in with her for buying a house and wish we had because we just didn't enjoy the whole process at all. It was very awful. So mm. I'm sorry that you had a bad experience. <laughs> we do hear about that. So just like shopping for lenders, it's a good idea to also interview a few agents. And a question I always ask whenever I'm talking with a potential client is what are three things that you're looking for in a realtor that would make this a win-win situation? What are things that you are going to need from a realtor? So I know your expectations up front. I know how you want to communicate and how often. And I think that's really important because I think that's where a lot of agents drop the ball is communication. So I want that expectation set up front to make sure that we are going to be a match on that. So I think on the client side would be when you're interviewing agents, know ahead of time what you need from them or what you're hoping to get from them. And make sure you express that during the first meeting and ask questions on how are they going to get the job done. If you have experience already or you know somebody that's bought a home and they've had issues, then maybe bring those questions up. If this was to happen, how would you handle that situation? So almost like you're going to go in for interviewing an employee. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. we, we work for you. So mm-hmm. that's how you should go in to, to that first meeting. But I yeah, think those are great points. Mm-hmm. Those are great points. I would ask friends who um, have bought homes recently in the same area that you're looking to buy in, who they worked with. That's always a great way. Um, certainly, social media is a great way to find agents in your area by using hashtags. Um, one of the mm-hmm. things that I discuss with potential clients at the first appointment is what are your fears? You know, what's your timeline? What's your budget? Have you spoken to a lender? These are because I'm interviewing as well. I don't, I don't want to take on clients um, who maybe aren't ready, right? I want to make sure that they have spoken to a lender already and that they know their financial situation. They know what their budget is. And if they haven't done those things, then it's just a matter of time before those things can be done. It doesn't take a lot of time to get them done, but it is important not to put the cart before the horse. Hmm. Um, And then I would say the most important thing is if you are a military member or the spouse of a military member, you're buying, whether it's, you know, you're buying with a friend or a partner or your parents or whomever, make sure everyone's on the same page about what they're looking for. Um, uh, Unfortunately, I've had, I've found myself in many circumstances where the husband and the wife don't agree on what they want, whether it's budget or house style or house size or location. Um, So a big one is have a hard discussion before you start interviewing agents so that you are on the same page with the person you're buying that house with. You want to know, hey, these are my concerns or, hey, this is really what I want. I've always wanted um, a pool, right? And maybe your partner thinks, no, I don't want a pool. That's a liability, right? Well, I I don't want to be the referee. Right. I want to know <laughs> that y'all are on the same page and that my, I, my job is to take your wants and needs and find you the best house for your budget. Yeah. And we talk about this a lot on here. When you're looking for those recommendations on those spouse pages, take everything with a grain of salt and make sure that you do your own research and not mm-hmm. just go off of what everyone is suggesting because they may have worked really great for them, but they may not work for you. So I think we say this almost every episode that we're talking about, like, look, when you're looking for recommendations around your area, you have to do your own research too. Like you can find the names, but you have to do Mm -hmm. all the 
crossing the T's, dotting the I's type of things before you make that decision. And there'll be some lenders out there that will try to tell you, oh, don't get your credit pulled again. You know, you can have up to three mortgage pulls in the 30 days without it affecting your credit score. It's a huge risk. And I have lenders just you know, See, predatory I, lenders will try to trick you. And I, I encourage people, you know, I'm like, shop, shop around, See, so get your best quote. So, so just don't forget, you can, you know, have those three pulls with no, no credit score change. That's good to know. Cause I always thought every time you got it pulled, it like put a mark on your like your score. So that's good to know. Okay. So now when you do, I know that you guys were saying there's a lot more out there to look at nowadays. I know when I was shopping, it was last year, last October, there wasn't, I mean, we ended up settling and it's not that we settled. We, we absolutely love our house, but it wasn't exactly on our wants and needs. There were some things that got who we had to be a little bit more flexible with. Is that still kind of the case still with the market? Yeah, I would say, I mean, here we're, we're still seeing to where I'm telling families to be a little flexible on some of their wants and needs to definitely set your priorities in order And if we can get your top few priorities that really matter and you can be a little flexible on the rest, then great. And again, I really stress the importance of this is an investment still. This isn't your forever home. Most of the families that I work with that are military, it's not their forever home yet. So it's okay to be a little flexible. This is an investment. When you get your forever home, that's when you can really drive in on all of those wants and all of those needs. I would say choose three things that are must-haves and then the rest of your list can be would like to haves. Um, For some people, the must-have is the budget. I cannot go above X dollar. Okay, fine. Then, you know, maybe we can't get you the house with the pool within your budget. Um, And as long as you are willing to let that go, then I think that's fine. But be very, again, this goes back to communicating with your partner. Make sure you are on the same page about what your must-haves are and then have a would like to have list. Yeah. yeah. And, and with that, I like to also ask if when somebody's setting their priorities, because I've learned this over the years, sometimes there's a, what they think is a priority. And when you start asking why, then it's an actual different priority that pops up. For instance, like wanting a really large backyard. And then when you get to the heart of it, they just wanted privacy, not necessarily a huge backyard. And so really, as you're setting those priorities, also ask yourself, why is this a priority to make sure you have the correct priority? Makes a lot of sense. I know that for us, we wanted a backyard, a bigger backyard than we got, but it was because we wanted to be more active. And then both the neighborhood we ended up in has massive amounts of trails. We can walk basically across town. So we got the same thing in just a different location. Yeah, absolutely. Also, sometimes your search evolves. Mm-hmm. You have it, especially as a first time home buyer, you have an idea of what you're going to get for your money. And that idea shifts around once you start looking at properties in person. I had a family that I, I thought I found them the perfect house. Um, it was the first house, you know, on the first day that we went out and looked at homes, they hated it. Right. They, they were like, <laughs> no, it's too small. You know, it's, you know, the neighbors are too close. We proceeded to look for another m- month and then eventually we came back around to that first house that I felt was perfect for them. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just saying like, sometimes it's an evolution, you know, the search process. You're, as long as you and your partner are on the same page, 
it is your agent's job to make you happy and find what you want, what makes you happy. So just know that sometimes your, your needs and your wants change too. For those who are like first time buyers, but also who are really young, they may not have a lot of experience in what house should and shouldn't have and what they would want. Like they might've lived in an apartment the entire time. They might've just came out of living out of their parents' house for the first time. Mm-hmm. So making sure that you do have that conversation, your wants, your partner's wants, combine them. And then having those times, like look at houses online, see, oh, I like this. I like this, but I'm, I've always been a person where like, I want to make sure the location and structure are always like solid. Like I can see past like flaws that could be painted or redone somewhat inexpensively. So like keep an open mind. Like when you walk in, be like, oh, I don't like that color on the cabinet. I mean, that's something you can easily change. You can't change a location or the size of your home or the size of the lot that you're on. So make sure that you have those priorities. Like, do you want to have a house that looks like it came straight out of a magazine, like a new build? Then you wouldn't necessarily want to look at things that would need to have updates. Absolutely. And also consider, you know, your situation. If you're active duty and you, you uh, are about to deploy Think about the liability that you're leaving your spouse and family behind in terms of maintenance. Is this a house that's going to be easy to maintain? Or are you going to have to pay a landscaper to mow the lawn? Are you going to have to pay a handyman to fix something when something breaks, right? So um, keep those things in mind and keep keep your timeline in yeah. mind because I've, I've had plenty of clients with uh, service members who are getting ready to deploy. And um, it's a big burden to be a homeowner and then also to carry the burden of maintenance when that, um, service member is and I mean, gone I think and not you really able. hit that is we, we lived in our old house and it wasn't that far from here. It was about an hour, the other direction, but we thought that it was what we wanted when we bought that house because we wanted this big chunk of property. And we talked about, you know, having chickens and all this stuff, but then my husband deploys regularly. I mean, at mm-hmm. least once a year. And so it became this point where I had almost an acre of land that I was having to take care of. And I hated it. <laughs> I hated mowing. I hated all of the maintenance of like making sure the fence stayed fine. The dogs weren't digging holes. Like it was just so much work that I think that was a lot of why we moved was I was like, I cannot do more deployments. And they always, you know, they're always like summertime deployments where you're mowing every week. And yep. it's like, I can't do I don't do lawnmowers. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having to do lawn right now because my husband's gone and I'm just like, you can't be gone anymore this summer. Like, I don't want to do <laughs> yeah, I've already heard it all time straight now. Like, I'm like, no more high. mowing any more yards. I'm not mowing anything. <laughs> we have a, we have a saying in the Marine Corps among the wives, it's Semper Gumby, right? Always be flexible, be ready. But in terms of things you can control, um, the type of house that you buy is a big one. And mm-hmm. I think it's a great point to remember that this is not your forever house but you want to get into the real estate game, buy a house, buy a house that's easy to maintain, buy a house that when you rent it is not going to cost you a fortune when, when some maintenance issues come up. Okay. Um, think, think in terms of how the house will serve you in the future too. So the next kind of step, we've kind of looked at houses. We want to talk more about like the closing. I know that closing costs and all that things come up that you probably aren't expecting. Even with the VA loan, you're going to have to pay some stuff out of pocket. Um, as well as the appraisal. So if anybody wants to just kind of follow up on the ending of all that, because that's definitely, you think that that like looking for houses is the most stressful part, but it, it can definitely come down to the last of the paperwork and all this stuff. So closing costs, I would estimate, you know, 
just based on the loan amount, but they're typically going to be about 2%. So you want to get all that in the contract, you know, between you and the seller, any unexpected fees, you know, there shouldn't really pop up during, you know, if you've got a good lender, that's, you know, let you know what all is going to be in a good agent as well, you know, that lets you know what's going to happen during the process. Independent home inspection is always recommended and they're guys are there around 400 now. Yeah, it depends on the size of the house. Yeah. And if you're like, I know in the West, um, when I was in Colorado, we did radon and radon tacked on an extra hundred here in Georgia, you don't have to do the radon. It's just termite, which is way cheaper than radon, but yeah, anywhere from three to 400 is your home inspection price typically. And that'll come up in the beginning. You'll do that quickly. So that's really the only cost you know, during the process, it's good to get with a lender that, you know, covers your appraisal for you up front. I, I do that with all of my VA buyers. If something happens, you know, I just eat that cost. You, there's going to be lenders out there that are going to charge you a thousand dollars for an appraisal, you know, and they're, they're pretty expensive. So, you know, that goes into, you know, talking to those, those three lenders that you interview, see what they're. And then um, Beth, do you want to touch on the funding fee, the VA funding fee? Because I think a lot of first time oh, yeah. I didn't realize that's a thing as well, but it can get rolled into. Yeah. Yeah. So the funding fee, the first time you use your VA loan, it's 2.3%. That's rolled into the loan. You don't have to pay that out of pocket. The second time use is 3.6 and each subsequent use is 3.6. All, fi- all financed in. Now, if you make a down payment on your VA loan, say you do 5% down, that VA funding fee drops down to 1%. So it's, um, it can be reduced. And then when you exit the military and if you have any service connected disability, 10 to hundred percent, they waive that fee. That fee is just insurance to the VA in case the loan ever defaults. It's kind of in place of private mortgage insurance on a conventional loan PMI. The funding fee is just kind of um, the VA's charge in case you ever you know, stop paying your mortgage, they have a little bit of cushion. One thing that's not a closing cost, but an upfront cost, and this is different in different states. Um, I've learned over the years, but your your deposit, the deposit on your on your oh, yes. offer, your earnest money deposit, which is different in different places. In South Carolina, typically, I tell my buyers about one percent. In California, it's more like two percent, two to ten percent actually. Um, in California, so the earnest money deposit essentially is a chunk of money that you put up the beginning of your contract. So when you write an offer, you in your offer will state how much earnest money deposit you're willing to put into escrow while your house or while the house is under contract. At closing, that money either comes back to you or goes towards your loan. It's really up to you. So the the two upfront costs that you will that you will pay as Beth mentioned are the home inspection cost and your earnest money cost. Those are the two um, amounts of money you want to be prepared to pay before you close on your house. And North Carolina also has due diligence costs. Um, that was something that we did not know. Anything I just about. found that out. Yeah. But I just got licensed in North Carolina. have to do that because the market was so low. It wasn't like a yeah. thing that we were worried about, but this, we definitely had to have due diligence. Mm-hmm. How much was it there? If you don't mind me asking, you could kind of choose what you wanted. And it kind of depended on how, like at the time we had to put a lot on both earnest and due diligence diligence just to get the house. Um, the wow. buyer or the sellers were really expecting to have that cash because if your due diligence falls through, they got paid and they got to keep that money, whether their household or not. So. Well, and it's, it's also important to know that like every state is different. So that is having those, having those questions when you interview your agent is okay. Is there due diligence? 
it, you know, what all are there going to be? Because it's going to be different in every place. I totally yeah, forgot about the due diligence. The state, of there's different towns, communities within the state. Their markets are completely different. I know when I was licensed in Tennessee, Clarksville was completely different than Nashville. Mm, and totally. An hour and a half drive away, but the markets were completely different. So it's not even just statewide. It's definitely in that, that market is going to be different. That's a really, that's a really good point that, you know, we as military members move around all around the country and we may have no idea what's customary in one state versus another. So definitely want to add that to your list of questions when you're interviewing lenders, interviewing agents, because in California, they have a property, an additional property tax called Mellow Ruse, which they don't have anywhere else as far as I understand it. And essentially it's, it's an additional property tax, but it's only taxed on homes that are newer. Mm. So this is what gets rolled into your monthly payment. So you want to, you want to know, Hey, your fees are going to be a little bit higher in California um, than they would be in Tennessee or Georgia because they don't have Mellow Ruse there. Is that similar to an HOA fee? Yes, it is. But um, unlike an HOA fee, Melarus is paid out of your pity payment, your mortgage payment, whereas HOA wow. is separate from your pity payment. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we talked a lot about um, as far as the buying process, but I know with military, a lot of people don't want to do that. We've talked about how it's an investment, but they still want to just stay on rentals. And that kind of comes down to what a discussion Ashley and I had um, at a girls night recently with some girls that are moving to the Norfolk area. They want to just rent and they're hitting a lot of, there is no rental market. There's nothing there. Mm -hmm. They're talking about living in campers. And that's a lot of why we kind of brought this topic up was military should not have to live in campers. They should not have to live in awful housing. They shouldn't have to do that just because that's where they got told they're going to live. So do you guys have any like tips and suggestions as far as like the rental market, especially in those areas like that? So I will say property management um, is way different than a real estate salesperson, a realtor. So a majority of us that are just licensed realtors do a lot of just the purchase and sell. And if you're separately also designated with being a property manager, that's when you deal with the rentals. So I don't exclusively deal with rentals a whole lot just because I'm not a property manager. And so that's an important distinguishment that I don't think a lot of families know either. As when you're talking to a realtor, sometimes if you're looking for a rental, to me, I always advise people if they come to me looking for rentals, your best bet is to get some suggestions on really great property managers in the area. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to supply them with the ones that I know I've gotten good feedback from other past clients. Go directly to the property managers because they're going to have the rentals before they list them. Only some of them get put on the MLS. Not all rentals get put on the MLS. So sometimes it's only on their websites and it's through their interworking that they disperse these rentals out. So if you're going directly to the source, you have a much better chance than just going to a general realtor that's looking on the MLS because you're getting what's left over on the rentals on the MLS. Absolutely. Um, And just piggybacking that, um, I will say, I hate to mention the Z word, but if you use Zillow, (laughs) we know what it is. I know, right? If you, um, if you're on Zillow, which, you know, 99% of us are, um, know that um, homeowners can list their homes for rent now on Zillow for a fee. So there is a much larger pool of rental properties to look at on Zillow than say on the MLS. So you can go into Zillow, set a filter on an area, neighborhood, school district that you're interested in, 
you'll get notified by text or email right away. In fact, that's how we first, when we first moved to California, we rented and that's what I did. I was the first caller on the property and ended up getting it. So you just have to sort of think outside the box. Obviously it's preferable to rent directly from a homeowner because the communication is typically much better. But if you can't do that, then certainly calling around to the property managers is a great tip because oftentimes they are going to know about properties before anybody else. Something that helps here with the rentals is, you know, get with a military friendly veteran owned property management company. We have several here in Clarksville and they will put the military families, you know, first. One tip that is useful here in California for renters is to have the ability to maybe pay a few months of rent up front. That sometimes can set you apart from other renters. If you have the funds set aside, and if not, but you know you're moving next year, maybe start a savings account just for that. Because if you can offer three months up, up front, six months up front, that's going to make you very desirable, certainly to a direct owner who's renting their property. Hey, Ashley, you were the one that has a little bit more experience moving from rentals in this market. So how yeah, I mean... I, I moved in the middle of when there was like zero rentals. Like I took to social media and I was just like, Hey, who's moving? Like mm-hmm. anyone leaving? Like I have to be out of my mm-hmm. house by June. I'm looking for a house that I can move in within the next two months. Like it was one of those, like I was willing to pay double rent on two houses to guarantee that I moved into a place that I needed. And so I just posted, Hey, and so I got kind of lucky. Um, a girl who was trying to break her lease early, was like, Hey, we're moving out. She sent me the contact information for the property management company. You reached out to them, came, looked at it. And I was like, we'd love to take it. Like she wanted to move out on the 15th. I was like, I'm willing, like, I don't, I'm not moving out of the house that I'm currently in until June 1st, but I'm willing to pay for me on top of it. So I did that. And, um, part of the reason was because I, my husband was also gone. I had to move by myself. So I wanted to take as much time as I needed, but, um, I've always done that. Like when we moved to Alaska, when we PCS to Alaska, that was our second duty station. We did the same thing. Um, I was kind of having a hard time finding a house kind of in our budget. Cause again, BH doesn't cover a lot and it, depending on your rank. I mean, at that time, I think my husband was an E4 when we first went to Alaska. So like, we didn't really make that much. And like houses were like four or $500 over the BAH, unless it was in a bad area. And like, I was like, I'm not moving into a bad area. So, um, I put an ad out, this was before like marketplace and things like that, but I put an ad out on Craigslist, probably not the safest thing to do. <laughs> it's, it's do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, you know, I had worked for a property management company for a little bit. Like I was an assistant property manager for, um, two years here at Bragg. I've done several home renovations with my mom. We've flipped if we, we have flipped three, um, early 1900 houses. So I I had kind of an experience. I've had the, um, the background to do remodeling. And so I put out what I was like, Hey, like we're a young military couple. We're coming to Alaska. We really want to be immersed in the Alaskan culture and we don't want to live on post. Um, we do have experience in remodeling. Is there anyone out there who has a house that they're wanting to rent? We're fully willing to make renovations, um, while we live there. So that way, whatever it was. And so I ended up having a sweet old lady message me at first. I was like, this is a scam. It's not going to work, <laughs> but we did our due diligence. Like we had a video conference with each other. Cause I was like, you know, we, we made sure that we were both com- comfortable in the situation and it worked out. We got to move in this gorgeous 
house right underneath the mountain, huge lot, which we always like to have land. And it was perfect. And we did, we repainted the whole house. We did a couple other things for them and it was great. Wow. But you have to kind of take the, like, I've always taken that initiative. And if you are willing to do those type of things, you might have those opportunities, but we also had a contract in place too. Like we both like signed a contract saying like, we are responsible for doing X, Y, and Z. If we don't do X, Y, and Z, then, you know, the, cause we pay two months rent too, um, like first and last month rent, um, deposit and then extra rent that money would go towards that. Yada, yada, yada. And we had a great experience. Um, so it just really, you kind of have to kind of look through the cracks to find what you're looking for, have, be willing to, you know, I see it a lot now because the market is so limited. I feel here at Bragg, it's still really limited on the rentals. Um, when something comes available, it's snatched up like, mm-hmm. like that. And they're able to be more picky. So like, if you have pets, if you have other things like they're, they can say no. And so it causes a lot of military families, a lot of frustration. So I do see a lot of families going through and saying, Hey, who's moving in this time frame? We're looking. Yes. Um, and I think that's how a lot of people are getting housing right now. Yeah. Um, I understand that it makes a lot of financial sense uh, to rent in most cases, if you're not going to live on base, but even if you're thinking about buying have a conversation with a lender. It is literally no strings attached. No one's tying you to anything. It doesn't cost mm-hmm. anything to get pre-approved. It doesn't cost mm-hmm. anything to have a discussion with a lender or an agent about how much this costs, how much that costs, because you might find that it is more affordable than you think. Mm-hmm. And for those people who are adamant about not buying because the interest rates are going up, I don't know how old y'all are, but I'm probably <laughs> older than all of you. Um, not me. I, when we first bought our house uh, in South Carolina in 2005, our interest rate was 7%. And mm-hmm. we thought we had gotten a deal because when I was a kid, my parents paid 18%. 18. My mom paid 18. Yeah. So like, just remember that this is perspective wise, like we are still experiencing incredibly low interest rates. And by the way, if interest rates do dip down again, you can refinance your house. You only have to own it for six months. Um, We bought our house three years ago. We've refinanced it twice because Mm -hmm. the interest rates have gone down so much. So you can always change your interest rate. Um, So just, I know that renting makes a lot of sense for most people. So I get it. But in a time when renting is a little bit more difficult than normal, maybe it's time to really consider buying and have those discussions. Or at least have both options while you're looking. If you've gotten mm-hmm. the pre-qualification, it's okay to be looking at rentals and purchasing homes. And then at least you have two options and yeah, you're not limiting yourself to just one. Yeah. I wanted to touch on the rates. Talk to a lender and, and try to go ahead and lock your rate in now. It's called lock and shop. So you don't have to have a contract to get it locked in. And we can do that up to six months because rates are going to go up in October. Um, They're teetering on 5%, 4.8 for VA right now, but they're going to go up again. So if you've got somebody on the fence, you know, you want a lender that can go ahead and lock you in with, you know, what the rates are now as, you know, compared to what they're going to be in the fall. Beth, you said it doesn't cost anything? No, it does not. Great. And you can, I don't think it's going to happen, but just say that the rates are lower when the contract comes in, you can float the rate and change it to the lower. I think they're going to, they're trending up, but just, you know, if they were happened to be lower, when you got the contract in, you could, you get that lower, you could float it and do the lower one. 
that's always the case when you lock in a rate. If if it, the rates tend to dip while you're under contract or right before you close, you can oh you'll always be able to get the lower rate. Is that right, Beth? Yes, you can float it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much today. Like like yeah. I said, like I've not purchased this house myself. Um, you know, we've tend to always, except for here at Bragg, like we lived in the Dallas area in Alaska. So the housing market was really high. Um, and we knew we would never go back to that area and we didn't have enough of a, even though there is a property management, we could have done that. We just felt that we'd like to have like someone personal to be able to go check, keep eyes on things. And we didn't have that. So we never really bought that type of thing. And when we moved here, we weren't necessarily sure how long we were going to be here. So we didn't do it either. Of course we've been here for three and a half years and probably still (laughs) another three years. We should have bought, but we did it. Um, but I've learned a lot today and I hope everyone who's listening has learned because it can seem like a very daunting task to do it. And something I think a lot of people are just like, I don't even want to deal with that. Like I'm just put my name on a piece of paper and we're in a place until we go to our forever location. Thank you ladies so much for coming on. Well, thank you um, for having us. It was thank you. really enlightening. Thank you. Too. So, um, you. yeah, we, if you guys are listening, you guys have other questions, like let us know. Um, we can put up a post on our Instagram and you guys can shoot questions and we can see if we can get you guys those answers. If you are in the Benning area or the San Diego or South Carolina market, um, we will put all the information. Or if you are looking to talk to a lender and you would like to speak to Beth, um, we will have all that information. Um, we will also post that on our Hearts Connect group too when we post the episode in a couple weeks. But yeah, it's really exciting. Yay. Thank you ladies so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed it. We are looking forward to next month is a lot more about PCSing. So it kind of brings us into that topic of if you're in the way to move, uh, now you know how to buy a house if that's what you're looking for. And if not, we have a lot more information on how to move different things about moving across country and things like that will be in our discussion next month. So thank you guys for joining us today. And as we like to say, rock up buttercup.